Welcome to Conservation Unfiltered, a podcast all about the North American model of conservation and your chance to dive into conversations about trends, research, and outdoor activities. It's time to get wild with the 2021 Conservation Media Award-winning host, Jason Creighton. What the film shows so clearly is that nobody was down there watching the border when dynamite blasts were going off and the tops of mountains on our federal land were being ripped off. <laughs> and it's it's really um, shocking, I think, to see the drone footage of what was happening. Welcome back to another episode of the Conservation Unfiltered podcast presented by Conserve the Wild. I'm your host, Jason Grayton, and this is episode number 127, More Border Wall Updates. Now, this week, Emily Burns returns again to give us an update on the border wall. If you remember from previous episodes, she is the program director for the Sky Island Alliance and has over 15 years of experience helping wildlife. During this conversation with me, she's going to fill us in on the current state of construction on the border wall, uh, a little bit about uh, legislative issues as well, uh, the impact to wildlife uh, they have documented, and a new wall being started in Texas. She's also going to fill us in on how the newly built wall sections have held up over the past couple years and why everyone needs to watch a new documentary short American Scar. Let's dive right into the episode. Welcome back, everyone. As you heard from the introduction on the line today, Emily Burns with the Sky Island Alliance. She is back once again. Emily, thanks for joining me again. Hi, it's great to be here. Hello from Arizona. Yeah, you know, a couple more times having you as a guest, I'm going to have to turn you into a co-host. You are (laughs) up there with a number of appearances and, uh, you know, your appearance today is going to, we're going to talk about the same types of things, same concepts, same um, ideas that we talked about last time, which is the border wall and impact on wildlife. And uh, unfortunately, it's not all, you know, daisies and roses. There's, you know, some some bad things that have come from it. Uh, and if anyone wants to hear your first appearance, uh, episode 45, and then there was a bonus episode thrown in uh, as well for an update as well. So if you want, go ahead back and, and take a listen to that. And you can sort of see where everything not necessarily started, but where we started discussing it here on the podcast uh, a couple years ago. So let's start with first, just for anyone that can't remember, doesn't have time to go back and listen first, what is the Sky Island Alliance? Like, what is the main mission and goal? Well, our nonprofit has been around for 30 years, and at Sky Island Alliance, our goal is to just protect the diversity of life and lands across our region, which is in northern Mexico and the southwestern U.S., and for you know everyone listening, you can't see the background that Emily has in her uh, Zoom uh, screen here, which is I'm assuming a picture of a portion of Skylands, and it is absolutely beautiful uh, with one big scarring mark, uh, which is a newly constructed border wall uh, that I can see just ripping apart the landscape and, and making an ugly mess out of what is otherwise beautiful nature. 
so what kind of updates do we have uh, from the border border wall construction? Obviously, there have been miles constructed. Um, how has it impacted you know, the Sky Islands? Well, you know, the Sky Island region, it goes is is cut right in half by the US-Mexico border, which for many, many decades was just really a line in the sand. It was really just just a, a, a line that maybe in some places had roads, sometimes had barbed wire fence, had these beautiful monuments that were mile markers that were originally um, monuments that were supposed to mark the border. So you could just see visually one marker post to the next and know where you were between the US and Mexico. And this, this borderland region is oak woodland forest. It's got rivers flowing across. It's got really jaggedy mountains. And at the very lowest elevation places, it's Sonoran Desert, so where the saguaro grow. And you go from saguaro forest all the way up into pine forests. We have aspen forests at the top of the mountains. It's not what people think of when they think of Northern Mexico, I think no. in Arizona, but that's what makes this region so special. And so the border construction that happened um, in Arizona in particular, it was going at breakneck pace through January, 2021. And the pause button was hit on inauguration day when President Biden went into office. And then it went eerily quiet and we didn't hear anything. And we were going down to the border to check our wildlife cameras to see what was going on. And we still saw some presence of construction companies, but the actual wall construction in Arizona had stopped. During that quiet time, what was going on was a federal review of the funding sources that were paying for these construction contracts. And in Arizona, the construction contracts that were building hundreds of miles of wall on the southern border of the state were coming from the Department of Defense. Those ultimately were considered an illegal source of funding and those contracts were canceled. Now, other places along the US-Mexico border, they weren't funded from the Department of Defense. They were actually congressionally appropriated fund sources. And that funding remains in place today to keep building wall. And then the Biden administration has no policy against wall construction. So we're at this moment in time now where we're looking at what happened on the landscape where wall construction was fully completed places where projects were left, the pause button left it partially complete, partially incomplete. We had a massive monsoon season with torrential rains that came through last summer. We're seeing a lot of road systems um, falling apart. We're seeing waterways that, that got clogged up by the new border wall now acting as dams. We've seen a lot of really interesting things. And we're looking at, um, Border Patrol has actually put out new proposals to build more wall, specifically in Texas. 155 miles of new federal border wall are being proposed to go in. And then in different sections of the border, they're coming out with what they're calling remediation plans. And so I spent a lot of this year looking at the, the remediation plan, or at least what they're, sh they're sharing with the public about it for the Tucson sector, which is 119 miles. And even here in Arizona, they're going to close 25 gaps in the wall to make it more continuous across the region. So, you know, to be clear for everyone out there, you know, regardless of what political beliefs anyone has, this, we're looking at this solely from the conservation aspect, right? When you put a, a, 
a wall or a fence or an obstacle up to keep people from moving from one side to the other. Obviously, there's going to be an impact to wildlife as well. Uh, have we seen any kind of, you know, what kind of impact to the wildlife have you seen when it comes to all of a sudden, you know, on these game cameras, now there's a wall there. Where does that animal go? What, what do they, how do they react to these walls? Yeah, that's exactly right. This is a, a barrier, like you could imagine a highway being for animals that are trying to move across the landscape. And in our region, we have really large species like American black bear, mountain lion. Historically, it was jaguar. We've got mule deer and white-tailed deer and pronghorn that are trying to move across this landscape. Um, while some of the old border fences were not great for species like pronghorn, they were still somewhat permeable. Animals could find their way through, or many individuals could. Now what animals are encountering is a 30-foot tall steel wall. So it's almost, imagine a utility pole in your neighborhood <laughs> with the wire strung across. It's almost as high as a utility pole. And there are steel bollards that have about four inch gap in between them. So you can imagine animals that are really small might physically be able to still go through those small spaces between the still, um, the still bollards. But for the other larger species, there's no way. And we have cameras now set up facing the wall just to the west of the San Pedro River, which was the last free flowing river in the Southwest until the border wall trenched right through it. Um, and what we see is animals, they're still hearing across the border, they're smelling, you can tell, you can watch these deer, they walk along the border road and you can see them thinking, listening, detecting what's happening across the wall, but they stop and they look Sometimes they walk all the way up to the wall and then they just keep going. And what we don't know is how much further are those animals gonna go? If they're being drawn, let's say to a spring um, on the other side of the wall, but they can't get there, where do they go? What is their behavior? And there's so many questions about which species turn back from where they came from. And we know that dispersing animals like uh, there's there's a, a wolf in New Mexico that had a collar on that went down to the wall and it kind of kept doing some circles. <laughs> it would go down and, you know, there's obviously some confusion that's going to be setting in for the animals, but we're really just at the very beginning to begin to understand, first of all, how their behavior is going to change, what their survival rates may be um, given this massive, you know, block, blockage across the border now. Yeah, I can't imagine there's going to be a whole lot of good that comes, you know, from this for the animals, um, you know, especially if they're used to crossing this area that, you know, to get from, you know, maybe it's, you know, to, to breeding grounds or, you know, from winter to summer months or, you know, to that's just the closest place for water for them, for where they mm -hmm. bed. Uh, now they might have to travel further because they can't get past that, that area, you know, and as we all know, wildlife don't recognize borders like the, you know, like humans do. We draw these lines on a map, animals, you know, they, they're not looking at those maps. They're just living on the landscape. So I can't imagine there's going to be a whole lot good that comes from it. Um, so, I mean, as far as like trying to figure out, like, what do we do with the wall that's been the portions that have been built? What do we do with like restoration and things of that nature? Like, what does that look like? Are we starting to develop plans at this point? 
Well, we have a lot of ideas, you know, short term triage, what are the very first things we could do to make the borderlands still be an hospitable place for so many species that live here. Um, and then there's the longer term game about what do we do big picture with our southern border, knowing that this barrier has the potential to alter the course of evolutionary history for species that live throughout North America. Um, but in the short term, there's some simple things, and these this is what we've been calling on customs and border protection to consider. First of all, where there are remaining gaps, keep those open. Um, it may be a construction accident. They didn't get a gate in. They didn't finish something. Two construction crews may have been coming from different directions. It didn't quite meet in the middle. Um, but each place there's an opening, there's a potential for those larger bodied species to be able to move across. We would much prefer that those gaps were not filled. Second, there are floodgates that have been put in, especially the bigger water crossing areas. Right now, they're locked. They've got huge steel doors in them. Um, there were places where even when they opened them for the monsoon season, the floodwaters ripped, you know, sort of ripped <laughs> the doors off their hinges and they filled with debris. But there's a really great potential if we could use those as wildlife pathways and corridors by keeping those floodgates open uh, all year round. You know, when the water is flowing through, I mean, that that's great during that season, but most animals are not necessarily going upstream, you know, the big deer and things to cross at that time, but they really need to do that crossing activity when they're looking for water during the dry season. And these are places that have a patrol road right next to it. They're being patrolled by law enforcement 24 hours a day. So there's the potential to still have law enforcement and have gates open that would allow animals to move back and forth because the wall really what it's doing is stopping the animals. Um, so the floodgates would be another easy, simple solution to just open those up. And that would, they're in some key places and really important riparian habitat. And if I recall from the first time we had you on, uh, there's, there was technology in use by Border Patrol to monitor sections that didn't have the wall for activity, right? Human activity that I'm sure could be repurposed to be used in a place like that. Right, where you sort of allow animals to go back and forth, but we have this sort of um, almost like a work from home aspect, right? Where it's just like something can be, you know, someone can be alerted and then law enforcement can go and check and things like that. I'm sure that I feel like that could be a, a viable um, option as well to try to still prohibit people from illegally crossing, but not at the detriment of wildlife. Right. Well, and up until, you know, if a handful of years ago when border construction really started to pick up pace, that was the message that we had been hearing from Customs and Border Protection, that there are places where the landscape is enough of a natural barrier that that kind of infrastructure isn't necessary and also not effective actually in preventing people if they were to come through the highly mountainous areas. And, and there are these sensor systems Trust me, Border Patrol knows where me and my field team is all the time. And they chase us up into the mountains sometimes if they didn't realize we were doing field work to check cameras or something. Um, so law enforcement is there. And the floodgate issue is just any little hole in the wall in these fences that we can have just gives increases the chances of wildlife being able to, to get where they need to go. Um, and we think it's an experiment worth trying, you know, and we could study how wildlife responds, we could study how effective it is for law enforcement, these things could be done in a very logical, systematic way. 
Um, but unfortunately, none of these environmental studies are happening because NEPA, the environmental laws were all waived at the border and there's been no research into environmental impacts and that continues to be the case. Well, I'm glad you brought up the, the aspect of you know, the landscape being the deterrent for people trying to cross the border in specific areas, uh, because we that's something that we talked about right from the beginning. There's, you know, your organization was under the uh, impression that the landscape was really too inhospitable to, you know, people trying to cross. There's no need for an actual physical barrier because people aren't crossing here. Uh, there, you know, we could build these this wall in a, a different place where people are actually actively crossing. Uh, and while I feel like, you know, I have a, a pretty good grasp for, for an East Coast person, I feel like I have a pretty good grasp of uh, what the landscape's like, what, um, you know, the actual needs are, that kind of thing for a border wall. I recently watched a documentary that was part of a webinar that and panel discussion that Sky Island Alliance put on that really had visuals that were just absolutely amazing to see the destruction that's actually caused to the landscape in this, you know, by building this wall. So um, for everyone, everyone, you know, I'm alluding to, it's called American Scar. Uh, so can you just tell us a little bit about that documentary, how Sky Island Alliance was uh, involved with it, um, and why I, I'm assuming you're going to agree with me that it is a much must watch for everyone everywhere in our country? Yeah, well, the, the film American Scar, it's a short documentary, it's 13 minutes, and it was produced by The New Yorker to tell the story of the environmental damage that was happening on our federal lands really behind the back of the American public. Um, because 84 different federal laws and statutes were waived in order to facilitate border wall construction, it meant there didn't need to be the same sort of public notification and public comment period for a massive construction project like the border wall. And what the film shows so clearly is that nobody was down there watching the border when dynamite blasts were going off and the tops of mountains on our federal land were being ripped off. <laughs> and it's, it's really um, shocking, I think, to see the drone footage of what was happening. This is um, BLM land. This is National Park Service land. It's Forest Service. And it was happening in places on federal land because the government had ac easy access to it. It didn't require doing eminent domain um, or seizing any private lands in order to do this construction. And it made it easier. So the film I think is so powerful because you get to see what actually was happening and the dynamite bl blasts on public land, it just doesn't jive with my sense of how we take care of our federal lands for so many different values that they have. Um, and then it, it just also share, shows the scale of the landscape and, and how these are places that are not frequented by people. They really were set aside because of the natural and cultural values that they have for our country. Um, and it also ends on a really poignant note and shows that walls don't work. You know, if this was a serious policy solution that addressed immigration issues that are ongoing at the border, 
I think maybe we would it would sit a little bit better with some people. Um, but the problem is, is that these walls get breached. People are, can still move back and forth across illegally. What it is doing is it's stopping animals in their tracks. And you know we're documenting cases of deer killed at the wall. They're not able to get across to the other side for their food and water needs. Um, and so it was important when this filming happened last year, when the Biden administration had just started and had paused the wall. But now you flash forward to now, and this film for me is more relevant than ever because border wall is being built. It's a lot more miles are being proposed for construction in the months and years ahead. And even here in Arizona, there's no progress towards restoration or habitat improvement following all of this destruction that transpired. Yeah, I think, you know, the part that really struck me, you know, visually, uh, when watching that is, you know, they, they blasted canyons that, you know, in the tops of mountains, so that they could put the border wall in there. Um, you know, this top of this mountain, now you have a canyon that's, you know, 60 feet deep, and then they put a 30 wall, a 30 foot wall in, in it. Like, what, what was the purpose? What, what does that do to help keep people out where how many other people like how many people are actually going to climb that mountain be like that's the point that i'm going to you know try to enter i mean that that's that just seems wasteful and in uh in time and effort and money in in my eyes um you know so i i mean i feel like whether you support you know a wall being built to try to curb illegal immigration or not um you know, being able to see how the money's spent right now uh, is maybe something you don't necessarily agree with. Well, and the, the money is not just done. <laughs> I mean, we're watching the border wall erode in certain places. The roads crumble, streams are getting clogged. There's border lighting, stadium lighting that's been put along wildlife refuges that are going to be on, you know, using a lot of energy, who's gonna pay for all of that? Who's gonna pay for fixing all of this new infrastructure? And I don't think a lot of thought it was given into this as a huge linear infrastructure project and what it's gonna to do to the land, do to the communities down here and to maintain it over time. Um, I think Abbott's, Governor Abbott in Texas, the wall that, that he's aiming to build, it's about, oh, $20 million a mile I think, to construct more wall, um, how could that money be better spent to address the issues that all of us agree need to be addressed at the border? And how do we deal with that? You know, what could we be doing to actually invest in our public lands as opposed to harming them? So these are the big questions that I think as a society, we have to be contemplating and figure out how we're going to hold our politicians accountable to protect the public land that they're, they're responsible for. $20 million a mile. That, wow. <laughs> just, oh boy. Okay. Um, it's an so, expensive fence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what can the average person do um, if they want to either learn more about what is currently happening or uh, they decide they want to get involved? Is there something that, that someone like myself can do to try to raise awareness, help in any way, shape or form? Well, I think the first step is really taking a hard look at the facts of what's actually happening at the border. 
you know, think about the, the Southwest as an extension of our country that it is, and how species that live in other parts of the country might be impacted over the long term by this border wall. So I think it's really, first of all, getting educated, I would invite everyone to come down and actually see this area because it is stunningly beautiful. <laughs> um, we have tropical spotted cats, there's ocelots in the in the Wichuca Mountains where we're doing our wildlife study. Um, so come recreate here, see it, and, and then, you know, figure out how to get involved. I think spreading the word to friends and family is super important. You know, don't let this be a local issue in Arizona when it's not. This is a, this is an international issue of significance that we need to, we need to be talking about. Um, and you're very welcome to support efforts like ours to just collect the evidence of what's going on down here at the border as it impacts uh, wildlife species and our water sources. So you can sponsor a camera, you can help process photos that are coming in. We've analyzed 4 million photographs from our camera array along the border in the last two years. <laughs> so it's all hands on deck. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I feel, I said this last time, I feel like whenever you were at like a million or 2 million photos, um, I feel overwhelmed when I have a thousand on my cameras to go over. Uh, I can't even imagine uh, as an organization just going through 4 million. That's, that is a lot of pictures. Oh man. Okay. So as you heard, get educated, right? Uh, that's, that's definitely going to be the number one thing uh, for everyone to, to really start that process of, of, deciding what you think is best to happen uh, down there. And uh, Emily, I'm still working on trying to come down there. Uh, it, it's a long way, but I'm still working that it, it's high on that bucket list. So um, you might see me hopefully uh, as a family down there in, in short order, if we can make that work. So awesome. Emily, thank you for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, keep us updated. We are Hopefully one of these days going to get some good news for the wildlife in the Sky Island region. Yeah, well, we'll let you know. And we'll, in the meantime, we'll, we'll keep watching the wall and what's happening with wildlife. And um, thank you for your interest in the subject. Good luck. You're going to need it. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thank you for listening. Another great talk with Emily. I love talking with Emily. I just wish it was a, uh, I wish it was a more positive subject uh, that we were talking about. You know, um, like I said, back in episode number 45, if you want to listen to, you know, how this all started, uh, at least with me recording about, you know, and talking about this stuff, check out episode 45 with Emily. Uh, then she gave us some more updates after a couple months in episode 56. Uh, as I said way back then, I still stand in that same field today. Although this has everything to do about politics, I don't really care about the pol you know the political issues with this. Um, my I am looking at this solely through the lens of the environmental impact of what is happening to wildlife in an area that just doesn't seem like it needs a wall. And to really hammer that point home, which, you know, this is something that I believed Emily, I've never been to this area, but I believed Emily when she said there's no reason to put a wall here. The conditions are too harsh for people to consistently cross in this area of the border. I took her for a word. 
Then I saw the short documentary, American Scar, the environmental tragedy of the border wall. I saw that. I also watched a panel discussion with Sky Island Alliance, the director, um, some other people about you know what they saw. And holy crap. When just as, as Emily said in the episode, when you're blasting, you know, 20 feet down in to make a canyon to then build a wall that barely even reaches the top of the canyon that you just blasted. That just makes zero sense. Zero sense in any engineering aspects. Um, and then to hear them talk and to sh- have them show that portions of the wall because it was so hastily built are already starting to fall apart. Um, I just truly feel bad for the wildlife. This is something that, while it's a political issue, um, we need to just have more common sense in this area. But I'll get off my high horse. Uh, I want to thank you for joining me again. I want to thank Emily for coming on again. One of these days we're going to have her on talking about something positive, something not border wall related. And I think uh, everyone will enjoy that. Uh, One thing that I do want to share with everyone is I want to make sure that everyone pays attention in the middle of August. In the middle of August, we're going to have a very special uh, weekend (laughs) uh, where we're going to put out uh, three or four episodes in very short and quick order over the weekend uh, regarding the Elk Expo here in Pennsylvania. So uh, make sure that you sort of keep an eye out for that. Check on social media. Uh, If you don't follow Conserve the Wild, make sure you do on uh, Instagram especially or the Facebook group. Uh, And then also give the Keystone Elk Country Alliance a follow on Facebook. Uh, There's going to be some great information put out Uh, sort of jointly between the two of us during their expo. So make sure that you are uh, socking away a little bit of time to get some almost live podcast episodes uh, the week of the, the weekend of the 20th and the 21st. Until two weeks from now, where we're going to be talking with uh, a fun Pennsylvania person again, Get outside, take someone with you, and stay wild.